Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. Slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Today we are defining and discussing something we've mentioned numerous times on the podcast, but it has that flair of Christianese and we'd like to make sure that anyone who hears this term understands what it means, and that term is progressive sanctification. That's right. We hope that you're ready to get into this amazingly simple yet complex topic because it's something you've heard us say probably a few times since episode number one, and today we're finally going to discuss it with the time it deserves. And as we will see in defining sanctification, there's multiple things to consider in its definition alone. There's no doubt many teachings out there that one might ask questions like, are we saved before or after sanctification? Can we control sanctification? What on earth is sanctification? So today we're going to get into all of that. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those words that the more that you write it, the less it makes sense in terms of <laughs> like how it looks, because you're going to hear us say it a bunch of times. But yeah. yeah, it is a very deep topic, and it has so many kind of spider webs on which you're supposed to go, and, and a lot of things that we just need to address. And again, to not speak Christianese would be our heart, because we don't want to confuse anyone, and we don't want to speak above what somebody might go, well, what does that mean? Yeah. That's true. And before even defining or getting into that realm of of progressive sanctification, I would even mention that the phrase progressive sanctification isn't even found in the Bible. No. And I would like to just mention that because there's people who get really worked up if they hear a phrase taught that's not used verbatim in Scripture. That's true. And so the, the, the phrase, though, progressive sanctification, it is the best way to describe a very real concept taught in the Bible. Yes. I think I texted you earlier this week and I was like, you know what? I think we could use some supporting text that the Bible has to show um, what this means. And I said, it's the whole New Testament. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure it is. It's There's not just one verse that we hang hang this idea on. It's, it's taught all throughout. Yeah, I, I found myself almost swimming in too many Bible verses because, I mean, we are not just on this podcast to just go, and then this verse, and then this verse, and then this verse. But yeah. there are so many that point to what this is referring to that we could bring up uh, just verse after verse after verse after verse. That's true. And we will bring up a few. <laughs> yes, we will. For sure. Yeah. And part of the and part of the confusion might lay in uh, confusing sanctification with other terms that rhyme with it, you know, and we're <laughs> going to get into that too. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why don't you kick us off, Josh? I have the best definition for progressive sanctification that anyone has ever come up with. Let's hear it. It's holy car insurance, Batman. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's so dumb. All right, all right establish this, Josh. <laughs> well, Progressive is an insurance company. <laughs> oh, my word. Oh. That went right over my Oh, it did? <laughs> I just laughed because it sounded so silly. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, let's carry on. Yeah, let, let's try that. I thought of it on Monday this last week, and I was like, oh. You're too clever for me. Oh, my goodness. I was rubbing my hands together like, oh, that, that joke's coming. Coming and it just wah, wah. Yeah, the listener, I'm sure, got it. So. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay. Good for y'all. So it's not holy car insurance, Batman. Yes. It's, uh, it's the process of being made or becoming holy. Um, it implies a gradual separation of God's people from the world and in process becoming more like Jesus. Yeah, that's true. And um, and the first mention of sanctification, or sanctify rather, would be uh, in Genesis 2-3, where God um, takes the seventh day and sets it apart for himself. He sanctifies that day. And so that does mean to set apart. But also we see in Exodus 13-2 that God says to separate the firstborn. And the second part of that meaning is it is mine. So it's a it's a uh, belonging statement, which I have here in a minute. I'll get into that a little bit too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I thought, of course, if we're just getting deep into definitions, I thought we should kind of um, define them separately because progressive, I mean, if you're just wanting to know more about the English language, it means <laughs> developing gradually in stages, proceeding step by step. Um, it's something that's characterized by progress. Of course, that's where progressive comes from, moving forward or changing over time. Yeah. And then, like you said, sanctification means the act of being made or becoming holy or set apart, separate. Yeah. 
And, you know, in some translation, the word consecrate is actually interchangeable with the word sanctify. Yes. Um, and that's really where things start to get deep when looking at the root of these words, not the root of like the Hebrew word or the morphology into the English language, but the root of the concept, the very reason the word sanctification even exists. Mm. And I found that to be a fascinating rabbit hole. Definitely. Yeah. So do you got anything more, Josh, or do you want me to take it right into that? I say go for it. Okay. So the Baker Bible Dictionary puts it this way. In the biblical sense, the word sanctification relates directly to the Hebrew and Greek words for holy. One may even argue that holification would be preferable to sanctification to underscore the intertwined nature of these terms. So I know that we normally dive right into this topic, but to truly understand the topic, I think we need to understand what it means to be holy. And while the definition of sanctification is to be set apart, the synonymous word holy takes us to a depth of mystery that I, honestly I was surprised to discover as I studied for this episode. And one author put it this way, Despite continued emphasis by many writers that holy speaks to separation and that to be holy means to be set apart, the biblical terms are relational and speaks primarily of belonging. To be holy, sanctified, means to belong to God. Kodash, the Greek word for sanctified, is God's adjective. God's character defines the meaning of holy, not the other way around. Holy, then, cannot be reduced to religious notions of purity and or exclusivity, but rather must be understood in light of the full expression of God's character and will. While other adjectives such as great, majestic, and powerful can also describe humans, God exclusively determines the meaning of the adjective. Holy has no meaning apart from God. Humans and things become holy only as they belong to God. For example, an ordinary table dedicated to God becomes a holy table. The people belonging to God are holy people. Different from other spirits, the Holy Spirit belongs to God and expresses His presence exclusively. It follows that holiness and divine presence are tightly interwoven. God opens the door into his presence, enabling sanctification, and he calls for his people not to violate his relational presence. So I know that was a, kind of a long definition, but they're so intertwined, these definitions. I thought that would, it would be a good idea to, to kind of define both realms there. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's well put. Oh, man, I, I couldn't help but conjure up in my mind the thought of um, Revelation chapter 4, where the angels are singing before the throne room of God, proclaiming, holy, 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 who was and is, and is yes. to come. Yeah. yeah, I never thought about it not having any meaning apart or aside from God. I never knew that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know it to that depth. Yeah. So I found that very interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. And I thought before we got into the study, I didn't know this about progressive sanctification, but apparently there's even a bit of controversy or a divide theologically on this topic. And of course, you're like, well, if it's in the Bible, then typically there is some kind of theological divide because yeah. somehow or another, some people find a way to argue about that. But on one side, uh, you have some folks that believe that achieving a blameless life it, before death is possible. And they believe that you can become absolutely sanctified before you die. And uh, I thought, wow, that is a bold proclamation, Cotton. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, kid <laughs> that's no a, kidding. That's a bold move, Cotton. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, if, I just want to say this. Um, if you can point that out to us in Scripture, if that's your viewpoint, then I would love to hear it. I, I think that's a dangerous doctrine uh, that borders on a version of Gnosticism. It, it almost even uh, sounds kind of like the Buddhist approach to enlightenment mm -hmm. of like achieving or attaining. And, and we know that the Apostle Paul, in a verse that we'll quote later, even says, not that I have already attained, you know, not yeah. that I've already arrived. And, and, you know, if you're saying, well, prove to me that this, this isn't um, in the Bible, that you can't actually uh, be glorified before you pass into eternity. Well, First John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then it goes on to say one of the most famous verses, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, yeah. And so on the other side of the camp, which is what the common belief is, is that we will not be wholly sanctified until we die, that we're progressing until that. Exactly. And, um, you know, I was thinking of even that awesome verse in 1 Corinthians 13.12 that says, Now we 
see things imperfectly like puzzle reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Yeah. No, that's true. And that's why I do love the the term progressive sanctification, because it really does speak to this um, starting something, progressing in it, and then finishing the race. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and we're not finished until that end point. No, because the Bible says that we're going to battle with our flesh. Romans 7. Yeah, exactly. And even Jesus said in Mark fourteen thirty eight, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it's just going to be that back and forth, like you said, Romans 7, yeah. until the day that we're no longer confined to the flesh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that's that's some dangerous territory to, to start building your foundation on. Yeah. Well, and you could put so many religious trips on somebody by saying you have to live a sinless life. Yeah. Completely without, you know, because then what are you trying to do? You're trying to attain something. Mm-hmm. And the Bible even says that uh, we are not slaves to the law. We're, we're now apart from the law. Yes. Set apart. Yeah. And we, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and, Mm -hmm. you know, and not freedom to sin, but freedom not to sin. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, and folks, it's going to get snake birdie because we're about to talk in a minute and it's going to sound like we're contradicting ourselves, but we're not because (laughs) there's, there's two sides to this coin with sanctification. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well put, Josh. Thank you. So before we jump into everything else, should we should we talk about the confusion some people have with justification? I think we should, yes. Okay, so let's just take a quick look at how these two things are related but different. Um, the verse that came to, to my mind in my study was Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand. So we're justified by faith in Jesus, at which point we have obtained our introduction into sanctification. Yes. And I know, Josh, you're going to go through levels of sanctification. In that very first level, there's a very close... um, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but justification in the very first part of sanctification, they're kind of blurry together. There's a marriage almost, yes, but it's not the same thing. But yeah, the, the different types of sanctifications. So. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I think that's a decent starting point for understanding the difference between being justified and sanctified. Justified, uh, there we had no part in. God did it. Yeah, off our faith in through Jesus Christ, but sanctified. Um, here in a minute, we'll get into to the topic. Do we have a part in it? And I think we do. Exactly. Yeah. And man, I love justification. And let us just clarify again: this is another awesome and theological biblical term. And truthfully, wait for it. Another podcast topic at some point down the line. We always so, say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but justified is a one-time work of God, that not guilty verdict because of Jesus's work on the cross. And then, of course, it breaks down into an awesome um, sentence where it says, uh, he makes us just as if I'd never sinned at all. I I really always have loved that word because, you know, it has that meaning. But even though that's a cool breakdown of it, that still doesn't do it justice explaining the full meaning of the term justified. Mm -hmm. And so while sanctification begins with a marriage to justification, it continues throughout our lifetime. And I I found it a really neat illustration. It's like if you have a pen and paper and you're going to draw a line that represents your life in Christ, justification is the point where the pen hits the page but sanctification is the line that's drawn as you move your hand forward. And so it's like the starting point versus the journey. Yeah. I think of the verse that says that the Holy Spirit is our seal. I imagine justified is when the pen hits the paper. Yeah. The seal. Yeah, locks it in. Yeah. Exactly. But then you have sanctification, which is the actual journey through what you're going through and how things change and how they progress. And and then the partnership that we'll talk about that you actually have in league with God uh, as part of your progressive sanctification. Exactly. And if you never see any progressive sanctification, then the pen never hit the paper. There's all of these ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So snake, snake birdie. 
Yes, because when we walk with Jesus throughout our life, we should start to look more like him and we should be less drawn to sin. We should start to have that purification uh, process in our lives where we're more set apart. And, mm -hmm. and that's what the whole process of sanctification is. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I have right off the bat uh, in my notes, I, I go next to do we have a part in sanctification? Josh, do you want me to hit that or do you want to hit some more of the levels? Why don't I hit the types of sanctification Let's and then it. we'll get to the, the, cool. the parts. Okay. So when I was doing the study, I found that there are three types of sanctification. And it's really easy to remember is that you have a past a present and a future. So I want to talk about the past and then the future, and then we'll focus on the present, which is what we're doing right now. And so the past uh, is the first one. It's called positional sanctification. And again, it implies that past tense because it says we have been saved. It's, it's already done. We are holy the moment that we believe in Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. And then Jude says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. And then um, even more so, we can go into Hebrews chapter 2, which is an awesome book of the Bible, because it says, For it was fitting to him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And I'll just read this in New Living because <laughs> it makes a little more sense. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. In essence, the moment that we receive Jesus, that's when we have that positional sanctification, just bam, like you said, sealed by the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden you are made holy because of Jesus's righteousness. Yeah. And that's something you'll remember. Yes. You you won't forget that because <laughs> that's the moment your life changed. Yeah. No, it, see, I, it just triggers something in my head because I go over that in my notes later and I just, it just split okay. it out. <laughs> okay. So that's the first type is positional. And then the third type, but we're going to talk about it second because we're going to get into just leaving progressive sanctification open for discussion, uh, is our perfect sanctification. That implies the future tense or also known as ultimate. And um, another term for it you could use is glorification. It happens at death when we are no longer plagued with sin. We've graduated. And I love this verse in 1 Corinthians. It says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The moment that we enter into eternity... We're not going to struggle with sin anymore. Mm -hmm. We're not going to have to to worry about measuring up. We're not going to have to have the flesh, like I said earlier, uh, plaguing us, enticing us to sin. And so we are going to be glorified at that moment. And then even First John 3, 2 uh, supports the same thought. He says, Dear friends, now that we are children of God, what we will be has not been yet made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so those are the, those are, you know, first and third, past yeah. tense and future tense. And then we come to present tense, which is progressive. That's that moment by moment being made more like Jesus, the journey of separation from the things of this world. Yeah. You know, I, I once heard John Piper make the statement that God saves us in stages. Oh, yeah. And hearing it that way, just it was a trigger. You know, it's kind of it is really uh, intriguing to think of it that way because he's ref he was referring to prog progressive sanctification and that we must endure this process. And it's like we hate it because uh, we would all prefer to instantly gain full you know sanctification status, but that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And I was actually going to get into this later in my notes. Do you have more, Josh? I just had some verses that support oh, go progressive because yeah. like you said, it's not in the Bible, but it is in the Bible. It like, is. The term Bible is not in the Bible, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know God's word is. So yes. um, just a couple of verses. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 says uh, in verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And then later on in verse 7, it says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. 
And then um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is one of the best verses that supports uh, progressive sanctification. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And then the last verse is one we can quote so often because it's a wonderful promise of God is Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, I, I just love the imagery and, and reality of the Bible referring to us as God's children and being a child and raised up from, you know, infancy, the milk of the word and the milk of realities mm-hmm. to the depth. And um, let, let me use a, a quick illustration while we're in the topic of saved in stages, kind of, um, that's first going to sound like terrible theology. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be to consider people who have always had um, things handed to them without having to work for it. Uh, we've all known someone who simply didn't know how to truly appreciate and be grateful for what they had. I know when I was younger, sometimes I threw childish fits when my dad made me work because I'd see my friends getting things and even being given money to go to the movies and they never worked for any of it. And it made me mad Yeah. Uh, sometimes. And, and I got mad until I got older. And when I got older, I saw that those experiences of ease, the, a little folding of the hands, so Proverbs would say, um, they were being taught lessons that actually hurt them in the long run. And and hear me out on this, because I know what I just said probably fell on certain ears thinking you, I'm insinuating salvation by works. Mm. But what I'm saying is this, that their tutor, their teacher was failing them. Um, just like a good father teaches their children the value of work in this world, our Heavenly Father has taught us about works through the law. Galatians 3, 24, 25 says, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So the whole reason I bring that up is to understand the stages of sanctification. Um, in humanity's early days, we needed the law as a foundation to learn deeper truth. And the whole reason for growth was, you know, collectively as God's people. Yeah. And uh, now that we have graduated uh, the lesson through Christ, there's deeper growth that needs to take place within those graduates who are true worshipers of God through spirit and truth. Hmm. John 4.23. And we, we have to remember that progressive sanctification is collective and individual. The bride of Christ is collective, but it's made up of individuals who represent the body, as spoken of in um, Romans 12. So while progressive sanctification is a very personal thing, and our God is a very personal God, God, we will all be presented to him collectively as the bride of Christ when Jesus returns. And so this all takes growth and growth is good for us. If we were all just sanctified on the spot without any process, I believe that suggests no love and things that are made to submit in perfection without a choice are devoid of love. Love is a choice. It's not robotic. God grows us in these ways because he loves us and he wants us to grow in that same love. Yeah. So I, I just, that's something that stood out to me in the whole sta- saved in stages. Yeah. Topic. Well, I was praying about this this morning and I was thinking about it and I might be putting it uh, you know, like using a hammer to, to fix like a watch, <laughs> yeah. but the, as bluntly as I possibly could, I was like, man, I feel like progressive sanctification is the most pillowy school of hard knocks you could find because <laughs> it's difficult and you have to relearn some lessons and you have to kind of have hardships at times to learn those lessons or, or things like you said, you know, you have to work for it in a sense, but Mm -hmm. what it does is it teaches you and, and God is so gracious that he's not going, well, you you failed. So bam, you know, that's why I say pillowy. So I don't know. I hope that's not a bad uh, illustration. I I think I know what you're saying. Of course, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we say in this podcast that it's because it's so snake birdie, It'll fall on one person's ears different than another, yeah. and that's why it's you know Snake Bird Podcast. We're we're diving into this and, and looking at all aspects so we can rightly divide God's word. Yeah, well, I remember like you were saying, um, even my parents growing up, we were talking about the children of Israel and sometimes how they'd fall. And my dad used to have this saying, "Well, that's another time around the mountain," you know, and yeah. you kind of just <laughs> you 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 approach a subject in life and you you don't come at it in a great way. And he's like, "Well, let's." 
let's try it again, you know? And yeah. I feel like that's what progressive sanctification is at times in life as we kind of try to learn some of these things. And God's like, okay, let's run it again. Let's run that play again. Exactly. No, that's a good point. I actually, I get into that here in a little bit. Okay. I hope I don't step into heretical <laughs> territory because... It's, man, it is so, God's word is so, it, you know, they say it's shallow enough for a, a child to play in it, but deep enough for an elephant to drown in it. And that's so true. And mm-hmm. man, this of all topics is very much so. By all means, yes. So that reminded me, by the way, of Ken Graves. He was teaching Exodus and he was like, go take another lap in the wilderness. You know, <laughs> it's like, or was it, that is Exodus, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought I totally had a, a brain uh, fart. Well, it could be one of four books. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's funny. Um, so we must pose the question: Do we have a part in our sanctification? We've already established sanctification is not, uh, you know, justification. The seal sanctification is something different. So, do we have a part in it, Josh? We do. We do. And it's kind of a trick question because Josh and I have repeatedly stated that Jesus did the finished work on the cross. And we quote verses like Philippians 1.6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Which is totally talking about progressive sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, but here is the caveat. I usually call them gray areas, but I've grown fond of a description that Josh uses, which is they're twin truths that are an intention of each other. I love that. That's such a good descriptor. And the dilemma seems to be that people want to get on one side or the other to support one truth over another. And those truths are not meant to be separate from one another. They're Mm -hmm. meant to be both levitated and equal, you know, in intention of one another. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that descriptor you use. And what I'm getting at is... Only God can sanctify us. Nothing we do justifies a better word. Nothing we do justifies us. But at the same time, we have the choice not only to receive the sanctification and enter into it, but also how smoothly the sanctification progresses. Mm. Um, This is where those who lean towards Calvinism get really worked up because they want to emphasize that God chose us, not the other way around, and that God calls who he calls, and Jacob he has loved, and Esau he has hated. But it's forgotten, I think, sometimes that Jacob made choices, and Esau made choices. Abraham was called, but by his belief made choices. And so while our salvation rests in the finished work of God through Jesus, we have choices, and those choices either way have results. And I would like to quote um, this from McLaren right here. It's just, I I love this quote because it says so much. He says, It is useless to talk about the final perseverance of the saints unless you remember that only they who continuously yield themselves to God are continuously the subject of His cleansing and hallowing grace. If they do... The progressive perfecting of those upon whom he has begun to work is sure. And so I really I really like what he says there because it is so true. We continuously yield ourselves to God, allowing him to do the work. Mm-hmm. There's a give and take yeah. type of, I guess, if that's the right wording. I found something that completely jumps right into the deep end right of what on. you just said. Because... We say this all the time, but we I, I, I completely identify this as a snake bird topic because it's not one or the other. It falls right in the middle, and you need that delicate balance. Mm-hmm. One theologian called the process of progressive sanctification synergistic, which is nice. a fun word. Uh, meant basically, it's synergy because it's equal parts man's perseverance or pressing on. And it's also equal parts God's providence, which is Holy Spirit led. And I found this quote, it's a little long, so just bear with me, but I feel like the whole thing needs to be heard. So it says this, progressive sanctification very much involves our activity, but it is an activity that must be carried out in dependence on the Holy Spirit. It is not a partnership with the Spirit in a sense that we each, the believer and the Holy Spirit, do our respective tasks. Rather, we work as he enables us to work. His work lies behind all our work and makes our work possible. The Holy Spirit can and does work within us apart from any conscious response on our part. We have seen this in the initial act of sanctification when He creates within us a new heart and gives us an entirely new disposition towards God and His will. He is not dependent on us to do His work, but we are dependent on Him to do our work. We cannot do anything apart from Him. 
In the process of sanctification, there are certain things only the Holy Spirit can do, and there are certain things He has given us to do. For example, only He can create in our hearts the desire to obey God, but He does not obey for us. We must do that, but we can only do so as He gives us the enabling power to obey. So we must depend on the Holy Spirit to do within us what only He can do. And we must depend on Him just as much to enable us to do what He has given us to do. So whether it is His work or our work, in either case we are dependent on Him. We are not just dependent on Him, we are desperately dependent on Him. Because we so often equate Christ-like character with ordinary morality, we fail to realize how impossible it is for us to attain any degree of conformity to Christ by ourselves. But if we take seriously the long lists of Christ-like character traits we are to put on, we see how impossible it is to grow in Christ-likeness apart from the sanctifying influence and power of the Spirit in our lives. So it's not us or God. It's both of us. Because, of course, His work is much more important, but we need Him to do what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And part of the whole developing the mind of Christ that Paul talks about Mm -hmm. is us, His work becoming our work. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I love that. That was very well put. Oh, good. And, And I just... I feel like there are those out there that might be like, well, I'm saved, so I'm going to put it on autopilot and let God, you know, and, and yeah. God should be in the in the driver's seat, but we still have our part to do. Yeah. Because even as far back as like Leviticus, God says, I am the Lord your God, therefore you shall consecrate yourselves. It's just that word you said yes. earlier, sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Yes, that's And right. so there is that command that he says, hey, you're supposed to be holy. And it's repeated again later on in First Peter uh, 1, where he says, be holy for I am holy. Yeah. Amen. That's so true because we talked, Josh and I have talked about the, the whole cheap grace, how that is not the way to go. And then the total... Um, it just heavy handed. You got to do this, which, mm-hmm. and you know, I actually, I heard Timothy Keller um, made some statements in the interview with John Piper that I really liked. He's ba- he basically said that people essentially feel like I'm saved, meaning my sins are forgiven, but now it's up to me to live a good life. Oh man, um, my sins were put on Christ, but now I have to weave a righteousness. And in other words, what Christ did for me is the pardon. But now sanctification is what I must do to keep God happy with me. And that is is what we've talked about before, where people unknowingly start well, but they're tempted by this demonic doctrine of salvation by works. Mm. So we, we've talked about the cheap grace and then salvation by works. And we have to we have to rightly divide the word. It's God and us. There is a balance to be had. Now, oftentimes people don't even realize that they're doing it. And... Um, like we said in the last three episodes, it's strange fire well, offering. It, yeah. It feels like that illustration where the master says, I'm going away. Let me give you some of my um, money mm-hmm. for you to do something with. And I feel like um, you have the one side, if you were saying cheap grace, they were like, well, I don't care. He's rich. I can just do whatever with this money and he's going to be fine. Yeah. And then you have the other side who's like, no, now it's my money and I have to be, you know, stranger with it. And I was likening it almost more in my head where it's like a, a rich guy comes in, he buys a house and he says, you can live in it. Cheap grace is like just treating it like you don't have anything to do with it and just party it up yeah. and trash it. Whereas instead of being a, just a faithful steward, then all of a sudden you're like, this is my house and I have to, you know, and panicking over every single thing. And as you were just saying that, it made me think of, don't you know that this is the temple of God? If you destroy the temple, he'll destroy you. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, that, that's a perfect example of the house because we're talking temple too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. And, uh, you know, people often, they can't grasp the simplicity of salvation on our end. It's the surrendering of our understanding and effort and the childlike and sincere acceptance of, yes, Lord, I believe, I confess, I repent, and I obey. And that's what saves us. Not that we did it, but that we trust in Him to do it apart from anything that we could ever do. And the payment we offer is the blood that was shed for us, at which point when we say, yes, Lord, I believe, I confess, I repent, and obey, that blood is on us. God sees us through the filter of Christ's sacrifice, and he says, yes, that sacrifice I accept. And Jesus, you know, being the mediator between you and God, will say, yes, that one I recognize. Mm-hmm. That one belongs to me. So it's it's very important that we understand that we do have 
responsibilities as a yeah. Christian. It's not like you just said with the, with the house, let's just trash it. That's not the narrow way. If you're on, if that's your mindset, you're not on the narrow way. No. So that's important. It's it's just a hand in hand with God process. Yeah. It has to be. Yes, it really is. Okay. Now, one more aspect that I'd like to look at is the fact that, you know, while we cannot offer anything for sanctification, um, other than what Christ did for us, we do have, like we just said, a part in how well things progress. And I just want to bring up a few scriptures to start us off in this. Um, 2 Corinthians 7 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in fear of God. And 2 Timothy 2 20 through 22 says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And then finally, Hebrews twelve fourteen, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And we see in that Hebrew scripture there that we're to pursue sanctification. And other scriptures show us that that our submission through obedience is the best condition for God's work in us to take effect. Mm -hmm. It's like that quote I I used earlier from McLaurin. It's those who continuously yield themselves are continuously sanctified. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the idea is not that we make ourselves clean. Um, and, and because of that clean state, God can paint his picture, but rather stop spackling mud on the canvas so God doesn't have to keep turning unnecessary splotches into unplanned trees like Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's the imagery that came to my mind is, oh, let's make that a tree. Yeah. We don't have to, you know. That's funny. But yeah, but seriously, God, uh, yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to get into how this can alter the timeline and progress Mm -hmm. here in a minute. But Josh, do you have anything you want to add? You're reading my notes. I mean, I had those verses. (laughs) The only thing that I did was like on 2 Corinthians 7, I read the New Living, which I thought maybe gave it just a little bit clearer. It says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work towards complete holiness or sanctification because we fear God. And again, that implies that work aspect of it. And we never want to um, imply uh, salvation by works, but what it's saying is like, strive for that. Yeah. Be holy. Um, I remember when uh, I first heard Jesus say, you are in the world, but you're not supposed to be of the world. And yes. that's the thing is we can be around things, but we don't have to be pursuing the unrighteousness of the world. Yes. And and one commentator, he brought it all the way back to Galatians when it talks about the works of the devil versus the fruit of the spirit. And it said, don't practice those things. And yeah. yet bear these things. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. You yes, know? exactly. Yeah, because we got into several, I don't know, I can't remember which episode, but the practicing of sin. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the way you said that. Don't pursue those things. We pursue righteousness, even though we fall. Yeah. But that that was a good way to put that. Well, because it's always going to be about where you point your feet. That's true. You know. That's true. They say that in golf, too. Yeah. Well, okay. Can I just, before you go to your uh, yeah. what you were going to say, I, I decided to reread Pilgrim's Progress um, in, in just preparation for this to see if there's anything that just deep that he said. And, and there wasn't necessarily anything that I was just like, oh, I have to quote that in this podcast. But it's a really good read, and it's a Christian classic. And um, the whole thing is almost... Uh, story of progressive sanctification because he hears the message from the man named Evangelist and his heart just breaks and he's got his family there and he's like, I'm going to have to just leave them because that's what the scripture says is, you know, you have to forsake your mother, your brother, your sons, your daughters. And and, and in essence, he puts that completely into practice because he runs away from them and he's headed towards that narrow gate. And he just has so many pitfalls along the way. Even after he's saved, as he's going towards what he calls the celestial city, and it's just a neat story, and and yet we do see that at times, because of just disbelief or because of hard times, he accidentally points his feet the wrong way, Mm -hmm. and then he has to come back, and it is that 
pillowy school of hard knocks. And the one other thing that I'd say about Pilgrim's Progress is I wish that we had their same naming system. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I meet a person in life named Money Love or Pliable or Lord Turnaround or Ignorant, I'm going to like, oh, I know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like a video game where the music, the dark music plays and you're like, oh, you're going to be the villain later yeah. on. You know, That's an so, ominous name. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking for a good Christian book to read, Pilgrim's Progress is a definite classic. And, and it's all about about that journey, which is what we were saying progressive sanctification is, is it's a journey. It's a process. Yeah, that's a, that's good. You know, I've never actually read Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, okay. I, I remember seeing, I've seen the, the cartoon of it when I was a kid. Oh, and yeah. I always bring back the, the imagery of that cartoon. But okay. I, I need to actually read it. There's some really neat things. Uh, you could tell how uh, faithful John Bunyan wanted to be to scripture. That's awesome. And so he, it, to, to me, it got a little repetitive at times because he's wanting to nail those things down so uh, so securely. Yeah. But it's it's still a really good read. Yeah. And don't judge me, listener, because I know there's a lot of people that say <laughs> you have to read Pilgrim's Progress if you're a Christian. So yeah. my bad. My bad. But um, <laughs> so, Josh, are you cool if I get into the, um, the way it can be altered? I am super cool. Okay. So, all right. Stubbornness, disobedience, and seasons of sin can alter our progress in sanctification, and it can cause us great pain. Uh, I think of Abraham making that choice to help God out by trying to achieve his promised child through Hagar. Mm. That wasn't part of the plan, and it altered the way things down the road were supposed to be. And also, Moses resisting God's exact plan at first when he was called to approach Pharaoh Aaron played certain roles for Moses because of stubbornness and resistance on the part of Moses, which resulted in a change of plans. And I really believe, and now I cannot prove this, this is me stepping to the side of of God's word, but I really think that the messianic timeline was altered because human weakness and disobedience. Now, let me clarify that before I'm accused of heresy or something. (laughs) I'm not saying that God was surprised or taken off guard by certain things, uh, because I don't believe that human actions in any way, shape, or form can alter God's perfect will. And that's the key word here, God's perfect will. When God allows the timeline or game plan to change because of our mistakes, Scripture shows us time and time again that God invokes His permissive will in order to gracefully and patiently complete that work that He started in us. God foresees everything, and if something is prophesied, then it's not going to get changed by any action of man. But God does have a type of patience for us that I am so grateful for because I've needed it so much in my life. And in the end, His will will be done. And Josh, do you have any thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, I I think you're getting into the perfect um, will versus the permissive will, Mm -hmm. which does sound um, to a degree like that in sanctification, when when we talk about it being a journey, there are those times where it feels like we're taking those two steps forward and then the three steps back. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I'm fixing to get into that too next, but, but that's, that's just something I've pondered a lot because I see these instances in scripture where things are changed and people are like, well, you see, that's a contradiction here and there. No, it's not. Yeah. God has a certain way about him towards us and it's because of love and patience. Yeah. Long suffering. You've presented that about the timeline change. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those yeah. things that we'll never know. Yes. I, I think it's an interesting um, thing to approach Yeah, because God is God and he could, he could make things work. And that's why I made it clear that that was not in scripture. That was something that this just intrigued me personally. But yeah. um, uh, moving on past that, <laughs> what happens when our sanctification doesn't seem to be progressive? And I do like the thing that I've heard you say before, Josh, if your faith hasn't changed you, then your faith hasn't saved you. Mm-hmm. And to start this idea off, I would suggest troubleshooting by deduction. Um, An old mechanic that I knew always said the first step in figuring out a problem with a car that won't start is to check and see if it has gas. (laughs) Because he had told me of so many times where hours were wasted trying to troubleshoot a problem like that and come to find out the darn thing didn't have any gas in it. And which is frustrating, but, um, so not to spend too much time on this, but I I would say that if, if some time ago you prayed a prayer or got baptized or whatever it may be, you just maybe always assumed you were a Christian. If you've never noticed any real turning point in your life, or maybe, um, even a better way to say it would be if you've never really felt the pain of growth in your life, 
then perhaps you should do a heart check and see if there's any gas in the car. Um, that that's the one one thing I would say to look at if um, your sanctification doesn't seem to be progressive. Aside from that, I would say that progress doesn't happen overnight, and we've we've kind of touched on this. But um, should should we be able to look back at a turning point in our lives where God started a process in us that changed our thinking, our desires, our joy? Absolutely. But there's going to be times of growth where it seems to be halted or even in some cases, like you said, Josh, a one step forward, three steps back type of deal. Um, but, but this is similar to the ways of growth that we observe in near everything in our lives. And, and we really, we covered a lot of this in our other episodes. Um, and one, can pain have a purpose? So definitely hit that up if you want some more clarification. But the last thing I would mention on this would be not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Because that's a big one in sanctification. Um, That's found in Ephesians 4, verses 30 through 32. And it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So grieving the, the Spirit within us would be to suppress it, with our desires over God's. And you're, you're going to know when this is happening because you can actually feel the misery of it. I know that I have throughout my life. And in some extreme cases of testing, this might can be confused. But for the most part, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there is something not in God's will that we're clinging to. And if you're grieving the Spirit in that way, then that can affect your the, the progression of your sanctification. Yeah. That's really interesting because you were talking about even the gas in the car. That seems like Occam's razor, you know, which is basically it's going to be the most obvious answer. And, yes. and that's why we always say that if your life doesn't look that different from a non-believers, mm-hmm. then we need to check our lives. We yes. need to check our hearts. And and that may not always be the case where you're like, well, I'm not saved, you yeah. know, because we don't want a bunch of yeah. people going around doubting their salvation. Yes. Because, you know, that, that, that's uh, very dangerous, too. Yeah. Sometimes we're just stuck in the milk of the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're still true. saved, and but we're stuck. Mm-hmm. And we have wilderness periods too, where yeah. you just feel like you're like, God, where are you? Where you know, where am I? That's true. How did I get to where I am? And and so you know, we don't. Here's another thing we just talked about it a couple, like within the last week. We don't want to go off our emotions. We want to go off of what God's word says. And so mm-hmm. if God's word says that you are sealed, yeah. you know, and you have believed in your heart and you're continuing in that belief then you are saved. Mm -hmm. We just, we want to see like, what are you allowing in? That's like what you said, grieving the Holy Spirit. Are you allowing in something that is not building you up, something that's not progressing you towards the kingdom? And so, you know, it's, it's one of those where I just almost said once saved, always saved. (laughs) Cause like, I just imagined all these people's ears went, what, you know, and then like the Calvary chapel, which is the church that I grew up in the, the saying was once saved, always saved as long as you abide. And such a politician answer, Josh, it is a snake bird. It is because it's that biblical balance that you have to point to. And that's why we call it snake bird again, because we're striking the balance. And that would be the best description of, I I don't like once saved, always saved. I don't like the way that sounds, Mm -mm. but I love the way that that sounds. You you, once saved, always saved. If you abide Mm -hmm. and that that's it. That is so biblical. So yeah. And then you have like, just to go off on that tangent and you have a verse like first John two seventeen I believe, where it says they walked among us, but they were not of us. Yeah. You know, where you have people that look like yeah. Christians, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And so and those who shrink back. Ex- exactly. And, and we don't want to put anyone um, in jeopardy of going, well, am I saved? Am I saved? Yes. We yeah. want to give you hope for salvation. We just want to say, Hey, has that actual change ever occurred? Yeah. Because like you said, you know, the gas, <laughs> the car won't start because there's no gas. Yeah. You know, maybe you're not feeling change because the Holy Spirit's actually not present. Yeah. And, and the, the, the awesome thing about that is we're still breathing, which means there's still opportunity. Yeah. And, and, you know, this episode was mainly about progressive sanctification. And, and what we're talking about here is justification, which was at the very beginning yeah. of this episode. It has to lead into this. But 
But if you if you are in, you know if you're saved or not. You you remember. It doesn't matter if you've kind of backslidden or you're going through a season right now. If you can remember that turning point in your life where these things change and you remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might just be going through a season of of whatever you want to call it. But in this progressive sanctification, this episode is so that you can get back on your feet and understand God's word so that you can live victoriously in in Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you say that, Josh, because that's never our intention, especially for those who are saved. We do not want you to doubt your salvation Mm -hmm. at all. Um, But, man, heart checks. It's just just a snake bird topic. Everyone should be doing heart checks, no matter what. Absolutely. David said it so well in Psalm 139, test me, try me, seek my heart, let me know where it is. Mm-hmm. You know, search me, know me, try me and see. Yeah. Find out what's there. And with a true sincere heart, know that his mercies are new every morning. Exactly. Yeah. So we talked a lot about man's portion of this in this cooperative process of sanctification. I wanted to just give a couple of verses about what God's portion is yeah. because there's so much hope in this. First um, Thessalonians 3 verses 12 and 13 says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. Of course, Paul is like so eloquent when he's speaking to the church of Thessalonica and he says, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He's saying he will be the one that establishes you as blameless and sanctified. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 goes on to say, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's that's the hope that we have is while we're doing what God is calling us to do, we know that he is faithful. He's not going to drop the ball. Exactly. Ever. There's going to be times that we that we just mess it up and <laughs> he's going to be there to carry us over the portion that we messed up. Faithful. Faithfully. Yeah, I love that verse that says, although we become unfaithful, he is always faithful. He yeah. is always true to himself. Yeah. And if you've been justified, he'll carry you through those times. That's right. Yeah. 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 When you can't progress, he'll do it for you. Yeah. And I wanted to talk just about a couple of verses that encourage forward motion in the Bible, because that's what progressive sanctification is all about. I said it early on. I said Philippians 3, talking about Paul attaining. He says this, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have attained or taken hold of it. But one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you have Romans 12, 1 and 2, which says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, consecrated, set apart, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. That's so true. And as much as that might sound like works to some people, the more you you progress in the knowledge of God, you understand that yielding to Him is what produces this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not something you muster up. No, it never has been. Even though you have a part in it, it's not something. It's not something that uh, it, it's it's a fifty fifty. Yeah, and so yeah. One of the best verses I've come across for progressive sanctification is Second Peter three eighteen. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's just about that. It's grow in it. Yeah. It's you know, because what did they say that the the universe is constantly expanding? So even if you're standing still, you're actually moving backward. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard that? I have, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like a nerdy argument. But <laughs> I've always heard that, that um, in a sense, uh, it's almost like you're atrophying um, in your faith. And so we have to be growing. We have to be moving forward. We have to be pressing on. Yeah. I, I found, do you remember that old saying that says, let go and let God? Yeah. I've always loved that because it's such a good encouragement to, at times to, you know, instead of feeling like you're in control, yeah. just letting him do something. Well, I found somebody that said, okay, I really like that, but let's build on this one. Let God and let's go. 
because oh, yeah. they said that is one of the best summaries of progressive sanctification that you could have in this cooperative sense of what you're doing and what God's doing in and through you and how he is using his Holy Spirit to basically fuel the car that you're driving. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. That's fantastic. So my final encouragement would be walk with God by faith. Don't do the works of the devil, like I said. <laughs> Bear the fruit of the Spirit. Follow his instructions. Forsake the world. And then trust the process. Yeah. God is working in and through us. You know, I love that verse again. Uh, he who began a good work in you will complete it. Did you know I found what I would consider almost my new favorite verse right now? What's that? It's Micah 7, 8. I, I hadn't really seen it, but we talk about things like this all the time. Uh, Micah 7, 8 says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. We've said this over and over for those that feel like they've stumbled you know, a lot of times the devil wants to jump on your back and just be that weight that says you're never going to get up again. Yeah. But God says, get up. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Mm -hmm. Come back. Don't, yeah. don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let circumstances tell you that you're not going to move forward in your faith. Get back up, progress in him. And, you know, are you moving forward in your faith or are you moving further away and, and that's how we can take the temperature of our heart. That's how we can do a spiritual heart check. And it, if we are finding that we're growing in love, in service, in grace, in wisdom, in the spirit, then the answer is yes to any of those, then we keep going. Yeah. And if the answer is no, then find out why. Mm -hmm. Do an assessment, do a triage and say, am I hurt? Yeah. Has my faith waned? Um, have has my Bible reading um, habits changed? Am yeah. I have I given in to losing some of those disciplines that maybe I had, and I'm not spending as much time with God? Because all of those things can affect our forward motion. And make sure you're asking those questions that Josh just laid out, because uh, the last thing you want to do is is start saying things to yourself like, "Well, I need to start attending church more." Yeah. I need to, I need to, you know, do the daily Bible reading thing, you know, checklist stuff. Don't be saying I need to get back in the habit of behavior modification Yes, because that, that can be tempting to do that. And that's going to lead to nothing. Yeah. Make sure you're asking the questions that Josh just posed, which is look at your heart. What, what's changed? I know that I know that God saved me. I know all this stuff, but what's changed? Why have I, why do I feel this way? Yeah. And oftentimes if you're honest with yourself, you, you'll, you'll see, Hey, this needs to change. Exactly. Yeah. And it takes some self-confrontation. Yeah, it does. But let me say those things one more time. So you have to ask yourself, am I progressing or regressing in love, in service of one another and of God, in grace, in wisdom, and in the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times if we're truthful with ourselves, we'll go, oh, I see that one point where I got off and things haven't been so great since. Yeah. So... That is progressive sanctification. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, holy car insurance, Batman. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, you get it, yeah. <laughs> but it's so neat. And and just even the, I guess I'd heard it, but I'd never really put it together. Those three types of, of sanctification, mm -hmm. the positional, the the progressive, like we've just spent so much time talking about, and then the perfect God, God is so awesome, you know, yes. and he just knowing that he had that in store for us is so neat. Yeah, it really is. And and guys, don't if you're down or if you're on the mountaintops, either way, just just keep going. Yes. Heading towards God. Yeah. You're on that pilgrim's progress mm -hmm. and you're headed straight towards heaven and we want to walk with you along that way. And you know, we hope that this podcast has really spoken into your lives. We don't know where you're at. And so we hope that we find you on a high, high mountaintop. But we realize that this might be going out to somebody in a very deep valley right now. And so wherever you are, we just want to be able to speak into your life and we want to connect with you. And so what we're asking you to do is right now, if you can, take a moment, go on to Facebook, Go to Snakebird. Look for us. It's not hard to find us. Just do a search for Snakebird. You'll see our page. Can you send us a message? Like even right now, yeah. if you're doing okay, can you say, I'm doing okay. 
uh, please continue to pray for me. And you can leave your first name or your first initial. And that would be awesome. Or if you want to send us an email at connect at be a snakebird. And if you're in a valley and you're saying, hey, I'm I'm struggling right now, then say, I'm in a valley. Please Mm -hmm. pray for me. And, yeah. and I know it sounds like they're asking to get a bunch of messages from us. And, and that's not what I'm asking at all. I'm just saying we want to connect with you. And yeah. a lot of times when this goes out, it just feels like it's going out to empty, not empty airwaves, but it's just going out into the massive void of online media. Yeah. And we want to be able to make, make sure that we know that we're talking to someone individually. Yeah. And, and like Josh said, I mean, the last thing we want to do is just be a podcast where we throw out QT mandated scriptures. This is stuff that we stand on. These are promises of God. And this is, and maybe there's something very unique in your situation that we didn't quite cover in this episode regarding this topic. Like Josh said, reach out to us and we will be there for you. We will pray for you. If you have questions, we'll, we'll help you to the best of our ability, find the answers to those questions. Exactly. And so, yeah, we, please reach out to us. And um, if if you uh, think that this podcast is doing a good job in reaching people and it's good doctrine, please uh, go and give us a good review and rating uh, wherever you listen to your podcast because that really helps us get to more ears, which is not about listens. It's about the gospel. It does. It does. Share, like, and subscribe. As always. <laughs> I, I sound like, like, get off my lawn, you know, like the Clint Eastwood of... That was a really good impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, snake birds, just progress. Just, just walk with God. That's that's all we can do is he's just calling us to come further up and further in. So always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to progress in the words of Jesus. And be a snake bird. bird.